You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. I am Vanita. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm the teaching pastor here, and it is with joy that I share today's message. I am super excited about being here to kick off our new series, This Far by Faith. Special shout out to our virtual community. We are so glad that you have tuned in and are streaming live with us today. I am just... Um, thrilled about the boot campers who preached these last several weeks. So can we give it up for those who preached? Yeah, you all did a phenomenal job. Uh, Stay tuned. You'll definitely be hearing more from them. But with all of the transitions going on, um, all of the things that we've experienced, you've heard Rachel talk about a new season. Um, You've heard Leslie talk about a time of transition. Um, I am happy to report that with all that's going on here at Forefront, we are still moving forward. Our church is alive and well and functioning and God is still working and moving in our lives. And we have so much to be grateful for. Amen. And as our series states, We have come this far by faith, and we are still celebrating the relevance of what it means to have church and what it means to be the church here and now. And that's our topic for today, embracing the relevance of church here and now. So we know that sometimes it's challenging to keep pushing forward and it's difficult to stay engaged when what you were used to no longer exists. There may be some semblance of it. However, by and large, the familiar becomes foreign and what you loved and appreciated has changed. Now the mission and the values are the same, however, the packaging and how it's presented is a little different. Can anyone relate? Yeah. So I have a situation that happened to me some years ago, and it was a big time of transition, and I was not prepared for it. So my manager calls in her direct reports, and we just thought we were just getting updated on a particular policy or thing. And what she discloses is that she's leaving. And we started to cry. (laughs) We were upset. Now, this is at work, okay? But this particular manager was such a dynamic leader. And she had a powerful way of bringing her team together so that we were able to do great work at our institution. So now, not only did she leave, and it was so hard, but then other people left and it was a bit difficult to carry on in the same way because leadership had changed, management had changed, 
And I had to reconcile things within myself because the reality is I was grieving. I mean, she was awesome. And the changes were so difficult that I had to really get a hold of myself, manage my feelings, and then realize what the mission and the values were. I still had a job to do. I still had students to serve. I still had people depending on me. So I whipped it in shape. It wasn't easy, right? But I got myself together. Maybe you've experienced times like that. Particularly now during COVID, our world has changed so much. So much so that when you talk to people about various things that they like and they enjoy, you know, sometimes you'll hear them say, well, pre-COVID, right? Like there's always this caveat now, like, like I'm telling you something, but the reality is, well, pre-COVID, because things have changed, right? Our family dynamics have changed, how we communicate has changed, how we interact has changed, how our society runs and operates has changed. You know, it's different. But we are doing the best we can to move forward with all that God has given us. You know, the last time I preached was August 1st. That was a month ago. And it was a very special service. It was a time when my predecessor, Jonathan Williams, and I shared this very stage. And Jonathan talked about the history of the church. And I was able to talk about where I see the church going, right? And even though we're in the midst of change and transition, we knew that the values would continue to remain the same. Church would still be relevant, and we would do all that we needed to do to usher in the next 500 years of Christianity, acknowledging that God has brought us this far and God will continue to lead us on. Well, today we're going to be looking at um, the book of Acts, chapter one, verses one through 11. And it was a time of great change for the disciples. And they, during the time of this particular text, were about to lose someone very, very close to them. And they didn't even know. But it was a time when they were charged with carrying forth the message of Jesus Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at our scripture for today. It comes from Acts. Chapter 1, as I mentioned, verses 1 through 11. And it reads, Dear Theophilus, in the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to the apostles, the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven. After his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father promised. The promise, you heard from me. John baptized in water. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon. When they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to, of God, the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the father's business. 
What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. These were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there, staring into the empty sky. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, it is believed by some theologians that the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke were authored by Luke. And together, they combine a collection of works referred to as Luke-Acts. However, it's interesting because other scholars claim that the author of the book of Acts and even Luke is unknown, which is very interesting. It is accepted, though, that this author, whether known or not, was writing to someone named Theophilus. So they open up the book of Luke with a letter to this individual, and they're opening up today's text, the book of Acts, with Theophilus. And it's interesting that Theophilus is not really known at all. Some theorize that he may have been a person of rank, a Christian, um, probably a Roman officer. So there's a lot of different um, theories as to who this individual is. But one thing that there hasn't seemed to be any arguing over is what Theophilus's name means. And in Greek, his name means loved by God. What a name, what a meaning, loved by God. After I read that and I was reflecting on it, I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna adopt that for the meaning of my name. <laughs> loved by God. Can we all just do that? You know, in addition to what your names mean, can we just add that to the list? You know, my mom um, decided what the meaning of my name would be. My name, Venita, was a New York-based company that sold all sorts of interesting things, hair nets, hair bonnets, things of that nature. My mother walked into a store and said, the pronunciation is going to be Venita, long I. Where's Rachel? And, and the name... I'm going to determine what this name is going to mean. And my mother said this name would be special because my child would be special. And my child is going to be a people person. And listen, this was before I was even born. My mother was prophesying over me. My, my, my child, she didn't know she was having, my child will be a people person. She also said that her child would be aristocratic. I was like, okay, mom, all right. But with that list, Today, I am adding, and I hope we all add, loved by God. Loved by God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, as our text continues, and as our story continues, it seems that this 
author, uh, wasn't necessarily an eyewitness to all that Jesus was doing and to Jesus's ministry. However, it seems like the author was connected to Jesus's friends and to eyewitnesses of Jesus's life and works and Jesus's death and resurrection and the 40 days after Jesus's resurrection when Jesus was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus was out letting people know that I am alive, I have been resurrected, just as I said I would be. And now it was so important for his followers to understand what the kingdom of God was all about. The kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom. Donald Craybill, in his book, Upside Down Kingdom, <laughs> talks about the kingdom of God as being just that, upside down. A kingdom that would challenge the social order, where the last would be first and the first would be last. A kingdom where those who had been marginalized and cast aside and called unclean would be embraced with no strings attached, no conditions. A kingdom where the love of Jesus would be open to all regardless of social status and regardless of identity. This was an upside down kingdom that Jesus wanted them to know about. And this account continues where Jesus informs the disciples that they are to stay in Jerusalem and wait for something special. He wanted them to wait for the promise. And his friends were like, hey, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? Are you going to restore Israel's independence from Roman rule? And Jesus said, you know, I really don't want you to focus on that. You seem a bit distracted. I'm trying to get you to focus on the promised promise. I have a gift for you. I have a very special gift which is the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit will come with power and will allow you to be my witnesses here and abroad and everywhere. So what I want you to do is wait for the promise. And this Holy Spirit would be, in the Greek, is called a parakletos, one called alongside to help. And the Holy Spirit would be called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit would be a comforter. The Holy Spirit would be a guide. And the Holy Spirit would give them all that they needed to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And as the account continues, something strange and miraculous happens. He's talking to them, having a conversation, and then all of a sudden, Jesus disappears in a cloud. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so can you imagine just having a conversation with a friend and you're talking and you're having a good time and your friend's giving you all these instructions and you're like listening intently and then all of a sudden, whoop, your friend <laughs> disappears in a cloud. So this is what happened, very interesting, a little, strange. <laughs> and I can only imagine the reaction of the disciples at this time, right? They're like, what just happened? <laughs> then it gets better. Two men come out of nowhere dressed in white robes and are like, 
hey, <laughs> you, Galileans, why are you looking up at an empty sky? <laughs> Jesus, your friend, he went up to heaven. Don't worry, he's coming back. <sighs> Let me just kind of unpack the scene just a little bit because this is a lot. Okay, so I was thinking about this. And I was just thinking about the disciples, Jesus' followers, just gazing, and how their eyes were fixed and how they were probably transfixed and just in this gaze. You know how it is when you stare at something for a long time and you, you know, your friend kind of has to do a like snap out of it type of thing? I feel like it was that type of situation. And I can kind of get while they were why they were sort of just staring and probably in this gaze where they kind of couldn't move or sort of make the transition because this wasn't anybody. This was Jesus. This was rabbi. This was their teacher. This is their friend. This was their everything. And now, and granted, you know, I mean, he said, wait for the promise, but like they sort of kind of didn't know that was going to happen, right? So I wonder what they were thinking about. We can only imagine, right? Because this was someone who was so close to them. And I can't fault them for sort of kind of just looking up and just staring, right? I really can't. Because I can think about times when I have been pulled away from the crowd and I've just had a time to really just focus and just keep my gaze on Jesus and like not have to worry about anything going on. Like times like this come during retreats. Have, has anyone taken a retreat before, right? There's something special about going on spiritual retreats, getting out into the woods, getting out into nature, and just really enjoying yourself and just communing with God. And I've you know, listened to preachers, and, and we've had workshops, and we've taken hayrides, and you're just sort of kind of like in this zone. And you're just in awe of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you're not thinking about all that you have to do at home and all the other things that you probably should be moving forward with that God has called you to do. Right now, you just kind of want to be in nature and just <laughs> one with the Lord. And I've had those experiences where I've actually said, I don't, I don't want to go back home. I just, I just want to stay here. I just want to enjoy the beauty and the goodness of God just in nature. I don't want to go back to the hustle and bustle. I don't want to go to the grind. I don't want to go to the day-to-day. -day. Not to say that the joy of the Lord isn't our strength every day, and it certainly is, but, you know, there's something about retreats and just pulling back. So that's what I kind of connect to as it relates to these disciples. Like, they're, they're fixed upon Jesus. They're thinking about Jesus. You know, they have a work to do. They're, they're going to be out there preaching at some point. But now what has happened? Their friend has left. It's a lot to process. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how important it was for those two individuals to just come and say, hey, you know, I see that y'all are staring and you're surprised about what happened, but, but why are you staring at an empty sky when... Jesus has the Holy Spirit and the promise ready for you to go out there and do the work that you've been called to do. So you're here and you're processing, and I get it, right? I can relate, but now whoosh, we need you to reposition, we need you to pivot, and we need you to come back, right? 
you know, I've heard this term like, oh, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, <laughs> you know, like, um, so, so yes, we want to use our gifts to make earth more like heaven, and there comes a time when we need to transition, right, and we need to pivot, and we need to come back to earth so that we can move forward with church in the here and now and understand the relevance of church to be able to tra change lives and transform lives. So while we want to stay staring at an empty sky, I invite all of us to think about how we can refocus ourselves so that we can speak words of life and healing to those who are oppressed, amen? <laughs> through the power of the Holy Spirit working through each and every one of us, we can be witnesses for Jesus, breaking down barriers that would deny access and equity and visibility, and then we can promote love and justice and freedom. You know, I cannot say that the apostles had everything figured out after they received their gift and after they received their charge. See, Jesus was no longer with them, so this was a huge change, and life would be different. However, they began to courageously move forward with all God had equipped them with. The truth is, when it's time to pivot and when we're in a new season, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes we may fear feel fearful or frustrated, but it's important to acknowledge our feelings, understand where we are, and then trust that God can help us move forward in faith. Now the apostles continued to move forward, preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't easy. They faced a lot of opposition. They faced prison, uh, they faced beatings, right? They face death, but as a community, they still move forward carrying forth the message. You see, the apostles were not the only group who faced opposition. There was another group that faced opposition as well. There were a group of black women highlighted in a book called Prophesying Daughters, Black Women Preachers and the Word from 1823 to 1913. They had to contend with so much. First off, they were dealing with racism, but then in their own community, they had to contend with restrictive gender expectations. Some of their husbands opposed their activities. The parishioners that they worshiped with openly challenged and protested against them. The male preachers that were in their community were outraged and they enforced church policies prohibiting such activity. But these were the prophesying daughters. And even though they were in, in a new season, they persisted. These black women preachers. And the book states, they knew their calls by God and their dedication to the call made them spiritual interrogators of the status quo. Feeling directed by God, they challenge gender restrictions. Fueled by their convictions, they question political and social wrongs. Inspired by and filled with the holy zeal, they set out to make changes where they could. In doing so, they left an impressive list of firsts. And we're going to say their names today. Jarena Lee, 
the first woman to be ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Maria Stewart, the first woman, black or white, to speak publicly about political issues to a diverse audience. Julia Foote, the first woman ordained deacon in the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. And then Frances Joseph Gaudet, the first woman to conduct mission reform among black prisoners. These women were first they were trailblazers, they shared the good news, and they promoted social change as they spoke the truth in love with courage empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was a new season for the first church. It was a new season for prophesying daughters. And it's a new season for us here at Forefront Church. Church is still relevant right here and right now, it means something to gather at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. It means something to stream in live. It means something to worship, to connect, to give, to see a smiling face, to chat in the chat, to sing, to pray, to receive, to help someone whose home was flooded, to be able to support community organizations. Church means something. And Forefront will continue to be a just and generous expression of Jesus Christ inside these four walls and outside these four walls. We will continue to be an interdenominational church. Our identity is fluid. We're, we are subject to change it up every now and again. It means that as we incorporate a myriad of traditions into our identity, we will continue to have one thing that will remain. We will be steeped in the inclusive and unconditional love of God, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and the treasured gift of the Holy Spirit as we usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. So as you think about our new sermon series, I encourage you to embody it this far by faith. And I want you to embody it like my church members up in Harlem, circa the 20th century. And back then, the choir used to actually march down the front aisle up to the choir stand. And there was a song that they used to sing that connects with our sermon series. And they were led by an usher, right? <laughs> and they would sing this song, and I'm going to sing it as I close out. We've come this far by faith. And they would sing with conviction. Leaning on the Lord. If you know it, sing along. Trusting in his holy word. And they would have their Bibles under their arms. He never fails me yet. And the lead would sing. I'm singing oh, 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 oh. Can't turn around, we've come this far by faith. And we will continue to embrace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
We have come this far by faith, and we will continue to embrace the relevance of church here and now. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity to hear from you. We pray that you would open up our minds and hearts and know that even in seasons of transition, you are still with us. You continue to strengthen us and guide us and we will continue to lean into your Holy Spirit to help us move forward to preach your gospel and to share a message of love and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.